<sighs> so. Minisode. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thank you very, very much for your support. We, we appreciate it very much. It's, uh, we couldn't do this without you. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have a reason to do this without you. You give us a reason to be. It, that too, yeah. Even more. That, mo- what Wyatt said. And We're happy to do this for, his, for us, the point. <laughs> and today we have another couple two-tree tiny-ass stories mm-hmm. to fill your ear holes with. And I forget who goes first. I think it's you. <gasps> Let me think about this. Odd number. It's yes, you. it's you. All right. Well, then, allow me to jump straight in. This is somewhat edited from the original cryptidzy cryptopia type <laughs> post so get ready for that Alrighty. in 1975 two seven-year-old boys had a face-to-face encounter with a pair of fanged humanoids <laughs> which would haunt them for the rest of their lives sometime before 7 p.m on the evening of february 23rd 1975 two grade school boys masato kawano and katsuhiro Yamahata were roller skating near the Hinoda housing estate in Kamamachi Kofu, Yamanashi, <laughs> Japan. <laughs> you really wanted to torture yourself on this one, huh? I am sweating. <laughs> when they noticed a pair of glittering orange UFOs frolicking in the sky above. <laughs> what? The enthralled boys stared in awe as the larger of the two objects broke off and flew towards Mount Atago, while the smaller one slowly descended to the ground, landing amongst the props of a vineyard behind the estate. Hmm. The boys later stated that the strange aerial objects emitted an odd crackling or ticking sound not unlike that of a Geiger counter. Huh. Naturally, as most of us would say we'd do, and Jake and I very likely would do, the curious youngsters removed their skates and charged into the vineyard in order to get a better look. Nice. As the two second graders approached the formerly orange spacecraft, they saw that it was actually a domed silverish disc, which stood approximately seven feet high and was almost 15 feet in diameter. Mm. The classically shaped flying saucer was perched on three ball-shaped legs and had what the children described as strange characters embossed on the metallic surface of its hull. They had a combination of like, like Felix the Cat, but also Donald Duck, and then, like, um, <laughs> yeah. I think Invader Zim or something. Just a really odd combination. Just a bunch of weirdos, you know. While inspecting the craft, the boys saw a hatch open on the side, and a ladder automatically extend down toward the ground below. Mm-hmm. A bizarre humanoid creature disembarked from the ship, while another, smaller though similar-looking, humanoid remained inside um in what appeared to be a control room they could see that yeah uh, okay they well they could t- i guess the hatch opened it was large enough you could see inside but and i'm picturing if a ladder came out then it'd be something you have to like it'd be down it'd below be true to climb straight down well, i guess in the side of the ship and they yeah, were it like could be peering in yeah, yeah totally um kawano and yamahata reported that the first creature was long-armed almost four feet tall, and was clad in a glowing or reflective silver uniform. The entity was not wearing a helmet or gloves, and its skin was described as being dark brown and covered in wrinkles so dense that they obscured any noticeable features, save three two-inch-long metal-like fangs. Oh. 
had wrinkles on its wrinkles. It had wrinkle fractals. Exactly. Uh, which reminds me of the Pascagoula elephant men from the Mi- Mississippi encounter I covered like a year ago or so. Yeah, yeah that's right. That? They didn't look exactly the same in description, but that wrinkly wrinkledness yeah. is consistent and very strange. The creature, which carried a gun-like device over its shoulder, apparently began to explore the terrain. It abruptly approached, turned, and placed one of its quote-unquote hands mm-hmm. on Yamahata's shoulder, patting him twice and uttering a series of sounds that the boys later described as like a tape recorder running backwards. Hmm. At this point, Yamahata basically sat down out of fear. Kawano. <laughs> when you get really scared, you just say, I, I gotta sit down. <laughs> I gotta sit this one out. They described it originally in the article as he like was incapacitated and paralyzed but when you actually dig up the old original news coverage mm-hmm. he literally was just like panicking and was like Ugh. that makes more sense yeah yeah Kawano pulled his friend up onto his shoulders and lugged him away from the site upon returning home the boys immediately informed their mothers about the bizarre close encounter following the boys back to the Hanode est- uh, housing estate these moms were shocked to see an orange light pulsating in the vineyard after about five minutes, but before the boys could convince their mothers to investigate the strange craft... Mom, take off your roller skates. Come see. Yeah. <laughs> the UFO launched with a burst of painfully bright light and was gone. It should be noted that while Yamahata and Kawano were the only ones to have actually seen the aliens, their classmate, eight-year-old Ichiro Minagishi, also reported that he saw a shining object flying toward the Hinode housing estate while he was riding in a car with his parents near Mm. the Kofu Bypass, approximately one half hour before the boys claimed to have discovered the UFO. The following day, Kawano and Yamahata drew pictures and retold the harrowing tale of their alien encounter to friends and teachers at school. Amazingly, the school got into it, with educational authorities resolving to inspect the area for themselves. School officials, armed with whatever gear they could get a hold of, found two solid concrete posts that had been pushed over at the uh, suggested landing site. Hmm. They also found what were referred to as landing traces, as well as a ring pattern in the soil near the broken concrete posts where the craft had landed. Interesting. One school teacher even claimed to have discovered radioactivity within the circular patch. But how? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, the authorities of Civil Aviation Bureau of Transportation Ministry (laughs) claimed that the UFO was nothing more than the lights of a YS-2 propeller plane, which often flew at an altitude of a thousand meters or so and was visible to the naked eye. Hmm. There's a translated article from the period as well, but it basically reads as the source for the Cryptopia coverage. Yeah. So, what do we think explains this? Huh, well, I mean... The idea of them seeing some kind of weird aircraft thing and then getting excited would explain just the flying in the air part. I do not know what it could explain for being freaked out by these weird wrinkly fang fang having things mm-hmm. uh, and being seeing them in person. Plus, I mean, as far as the school getting all on board, like I could see if everyone's, everyone's getting really excited, depending on what the situation is. This is in the 70s, you said? Yeah. Okay. Depending on the situation, I could see the school, like, if teachers were also involved too, either thinking, oh, something weird happened, well, let's just go see what it was. I don't think it was aliens, but we'll just see what it was, mm-hmm. and uh, sounds like it could be interesting, maybe a learning opportunity, or else maybe they um, just, maybe, I, I'm picturing just all kinds of different possible scenarios here. Maybe all the students were just like losing their minds over this thing having happened, 
Like, all right, well, let's humor the kids. Let's go. Let's go take a look for ourselves. Let's right, see let's if there's something the actually there. Kettle here, right? Yeah, and see. Well, it looks like something weird maybe did happen. We'll never know. Like, mm-hmm. so hard, hard to say there. But I do not have any ideas as far as an explanation for the actual beings they encountered. Right. Yeah. I mean, the three things that occur to me are the kids made it up and just leaned in hard because they're kids, mm-hmm. and there just happened to be things that adults then bought into. Yeah. Maybe the parents made it up for some reason and mm-hmm. played the kids into agreeing with the story, but why would they do that? Right. And or it really happened because it's aliens. <laughs> Good old aliens. And uh, it's just some wild shit because the kids' drawings are pretty consistent with one another. So here's one of them. And it's been projected onto the spot where the kid, that is actually one of the kids okay, right there yeah. in the picture. And so here are the proportions of the craft. And then another one here. Hmm. So drawn by the other kid. Yeah. And it's a very consistent drawing. They are consistent, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, when do they draw these? Uh, 40 years later. <laughs> um, but if they, if they had a little bit of time between the, the time of they the They might have described the, them to each other more and more. and Or they could have just, or even one of them could have sketched out, here, let's, let's say it looked like this. Right. And then they could have just both, I mean, attempted to approximate that. I don't know. True. But uh, it is a pretty fanciful thing to have just gone like, let's just do this. Yeah. So that's why I think it it would make the most sense for it to be a combination of a weird sighting of a real thing. Right. And then embellishment. Right. Kids Um, being kids. Because I could totally see being into that kind of thing at that age being like, oh, I saw this weird thing. Oh, would it be fun to just, like, I know. Let's just fucking play everyone. Yeah. Right. My my dad did a a really great thing on mm-hmm. to me when I was little. There was uh, I don't know if it's a satellite. There, I mean, there's some satellites that are in kind of geostationary orbit where they stay effectively look like they're in the same spot overhead all the time, but they're just moving at the same like angular velocity as the Earth turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure if it's one of those or something else, but it's like a kind of blinking light in the sky in one spot. And we're outside at nighttime, in the summertime, and um. My dad was like, oh, Jake, did you see that? I was like, what? Like, that light right there. Did you see it blinking? I was like, yeah. I was like, it was over there. Then went over there and zipped around there and just stopped right there. And it was just blinking. Oh. I was like, what? And I was like staring at it for oh a while. Oh, my then, God. And I was like, no, nah, it, it didn't do that. <laughs> you stupid idiot. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It's, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it was a blinking light, so that already made it interesting. And then you right. could just add a little bit to it, and suddenly it was this amazing thing a to me as a little kid. story, right. Yeah, so... Similar kind of deal. If you saw this weird flying light, and the parents said they saw this weird orange light too, and, and then another kid separately saw something flying off towards the mountain, um, there could have been weird aircraft around, and then these two kids happened to be like, hey, let's let's make a f- fun thing out of this. Mm-hmm. That makes the most sense to me anyway. It's true. It is interesting, though. You would think if they had purely made it up, maybe the parents would be, I don't know, assuming that they really did take their moms to see something. Yeah then it is strange because you'd think their parents would back it up based on actually witnessing at least the orange light and the bright takeoff. But again, it's an N of one. <laughs> yep. And it leaves you wondering. N of wondering. And that's my tale. <laughs> that's a good tale. That's that's the reason, one of the reasons I feel like we, we don't cover uh, UFO type stuff very often is because we're like, I don't know. There's not much much to do with it beyond that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a fun little story, but then you're just sort of like... It's a very fun story. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Literally no way to tell. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Which, I mean, the majority of the point of the podcast is, 
Hey, the stories are fun, but also a really major kind of feature element. of it is meant to be, hey, science. We can explain this through science, yes, yeah. exactly. Which, uh, in that case, we cannot. And that is why it is here. In the mini Yes. <laughs> where you can just enjoy the fun story that it is. Exactly. Well, I've got a uh, a story as well, and it's it's a doozy. I have been holding on to this one for a while, and wondering if I should put it in the main episode or not. I actually don't know how long this is going to work out to be, because I haven't put it into like notes to just see how many pages it works out to be. Hopefully not terribly long, but it is, um, yeah, I think it'll be a decent length. Anyway, it's... Getting longer by the second. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> um... Uh, this is from Scott Harper. Uh, he he sent this to our, our old pal Lon Strickler. Um, they Lon are, Harper, I guess, man. they are friends. But he's like, oh yeah, Lon, check this out. He said it's this whole. Give it a good long of... look at it. <laughs> yes, uh, Scott Harper has a website called Growing Up with Sasquatch. Oh boy! Or that's a um. Let me see what that link takes me to. I think it is its own thing. But it's in Marysville, Ohio. Is a uh, I guess that's not the website, but... I'm about to open an account called Glowing Up with Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm just imagining all the different hair care products I could have Yes. <laughs> Anywho, so I guess it's not a website. It's just a different account, but it doesn't matter. Scott Harper is the guy from Ohio. Uh, said, as, as most of you probably knew, or as most of you probably know, I grew up in Ohio. While there, I had three sightings of a Sasquatch along with other interactions slash encounters with them. So Sasquatch has long been an interest of mine. I spent a lot of time reading books on the subject, as well as watching televised documentaries, films, YouTube videos of sightings, reports, etc. I've also talked a lot of people um, talked to a lot of people regarding the subject of a Sasquatch. The most recently published book, which was co-authored with my wonderful wife Desiree Lee, is titled "Hidden Tribe." It deals with the topic of Sasquatch too. I'm also working on a series of historical articles for the Big Truth Sasquatch blog. The focus on encounters with Sasquatch prior to the Patterson-Gimlin footage that was shot in 1967. Mm-hmm. So, just background of just, he's into Sasquatch. I love Sasquatch he's, so goddamn much. And he uh, has written about it and wants you to know about the stuff he's done with yes. it. Yes. Given my own personal experiences and the sheer amount of time I've spent learning about uh, more about the topic, I feel that I am fairly knowledgeable about Sasquatch. So... <laughs> He like, really wants us to know. Yeah, like anyone who's super into Sasquatch is like, oh yeah, I've read a lot about what people have said they've seen and stuff. <laughs> and people then say, okay, now I'm an expert on Sasquatch, yeah. which that's, I just find so, it's so grating. amazing with any cryptozoology stuff. Like, if you've never seen the thing Yeah, if you haven't person, actually empirically and oh, no, I had, it. Like, I had a sighting one time, I was like, yeah, but did you like see it or did you see something, something that might have been it? Something that you think was it. Yeah. It's, and, and so many of the different shows that they've had, like, you know, the Chasing Bigfoot or whatever the hell it's called, uh, where they even describe, like, you know, the mating season for Sasquatch, like, different behavioral stuff. It's like, you don't fucking know that. You can't know that. Anyway, over time... Um, no, you're totally right. Uh, over time, and many reports of sightings and encounters others have had with them, too, I have also noticed a disturbing pattern. I want to come off sounding like a conspiracy theory nut. Spoiler. He's gonna... Yeah. Um, but I say with all honesty and seriousness that I firmly believe that there is a cover-up going on where Sasquatch is concerned. I believe that the United States government, military, logging industry, and probably the oil industry as well, given the Alaskan pipeline, all know and accept that Sasquatch is a real living species. Mm-hmm. What do they do with this knowledge? Cover it up. Why? Money. Hmm. Remember the spotted owl fiasco from several years ago? I don't. 
Um, Remember how it affected the logging industry? Imagine what will happen when Sasquatch is finally publicly acknowledged to be real. They'll almost certainly be considered an endangered species. Where do most Sasquatch seem to live? In the forest. Where are most of the sightings recorded? In the Pacific Northwest. Logging is big, big business here. Just imagine what uh, having an endangered species such as the Sasquatch acknowledged as living in the forest where logging is so huge would do to that industry. The logging industry would be basically shut down, at least for a while. That will have a devastating effect on all industries that use wood. Everything from construction to furniture manufacturing to the paper industry, which means the entire publishing industry would have to make sweeping changes too. Along with that would come change to the transport and delivery services that move the cut-down trees, construction materials, paper, published books, furniture, etc. Jesus. Alaskan oil pipeline would, I'm sure, be affected by the acceptance of Sasquatch as a living species, too. Everything is connected. Everything would be affected. So just as a quick side note here, there are plenty of species considered threatened or endangered that already live in the forest. Yeah. And yet, the forest has not been totally just become right. a, a, just a no entry zone for i mean industry. plenty of like paper and publishing and everything they use trees or pulp material from farms for that very purpose if i'm not mistaken i don't know how much of that is the case i know in maine anyway um a lot of the uh wood used for actually, i think see, my dad works at paper mill it's one of the last oh running, you would know then I've it's one of the last running paper mills here. in the state of maine wow and I, at least it has the particular types of, of, um, of machines that they have. But uh, I think the wood may just come from northern Maine. I'm not, I'm mm. not totally positive of that. I'd have to ask my dad for sure what the, That's interesting, where the wood comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the further north you drive in Maine, the more you see like lots and lots of logging stuff up there. Because, yeah, when you get to like about halfway up the just north-south stretch of what Maine is, <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of nowhere now. Like, there's to mm-hmm. come so far north of any actual civilization, then you look at a map, like, oh, there's still, like, more than so half much. of the state to go, and right. it's all forest. It's a, an amazing amount of pretty much wilderness. The Northwood. Um, and that's true in a lot of different places, and so it's been a kind of sustainable industry for a long time because there's just enough of it, and then replanting stuff or letting things grow back i mean clear-cut areas actually are really good moose habitat because mm-hmm. once stuff grows back in it's uh, when you have cleared all that out uh shade intolerant species come in and you get a lot mm-hmm. of biodiversity that you wouldn't find in the middle of like a climax ecosystem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh moose really love to browse on stuff that's at just the right height they can just walk through and eat it so mm-hmm. it's um it's pretty cool for moose and stuff that it helps them out when you've cut different areas down uh sucks to walk through that to look for the moose i gotta say what <laughs> a habitat that's great for moose is terrible for humans our legs mm-hmm. aren't very long and <laughs> you just like twist your ankle on everything it sucks but uh that's neither here nor there back to the uh not crazy conspiracy theory can't get there from here anyway that's right yeah uh, uh looking closer at the impact mm. to the construction industry not having wood to frame buildings or build walls alternatives would need to be found one very good one would be uh, hempcrete. This is an excellent building material. It mixes hemp with lime or sand to form blocks. Hempcrete is naturally ins- um, naturally insulting, he says. He means insulating. <laughs> naturally insulating, <laughs> fire retardant, if not flat out fireproof, and doesn't rot or attract insects like wood does. Wait, why? Oh, 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 okay. Okay. I was yeah. like, why are we hearing about this? <laughs> Carry on. It would be a logical alternative to um, to wood for construction. However... Turning to hempcrete would open the door to other hemp products, such as paper, fuel, health food, medication, clothing, and many other industries for which it is currently illegal. Why is it illegal? 
because it would do to these industries about what publicly accepting Sasquatch as a species would do to the logging industry. <laughs> it's in the best financial interest of the people involved with those industries that, remain, uh, that hemp remain illegal. Hemp grows faster than trees. It takes less water. It gives more product yield per acre. No one beneficially invested in any industry it would affect wants it to be legalized. Again, everything is connected. Everything would be affected. So just yeah, he's he's got he's got he a cork went, board. He went right off. He's definitely got a cork board. He's got a, a cork lot of board, string. lots of yarn, lots uh, of pictures and maps and like news clippings and shit. Absolutely, uh, but the, he's not a conspiracy. No, uh, those changes would I'm sure result in a lot of people losing their jobs. Business people who have millions of dollars invested in these industries would be hit hard right in the wallets. They'll likely lose. They'd likely lose millions, if not billions, of dollars due to shutdowns and changes that would need to be made. Fuck it, trillions. <laughs> Quadrillions. Quadrillions. Uh, of course, they don't want that to happen. They don't want to suffer the loss of that money or the power and prestige that come with it. I think it's the money. I think it's really just money. I don't think they care about prestige. No. Uh, these people know that Sasquatch are real. Given encounters I've heard over the years, it seems that logging trucks hit and kill Sasquatch sometimes as they're moving along dark forested roads. <laughs> Given stuff I've heard, it sounds like that probably happens. Well, he is an expert. That's true. Uh, most Sasquatch sightings occur, actually occur when one of the creatures cross the road in front of a vehicle, by the way. Whether these are young, inexperienced Sasquatch making a mistake, underestimating how fast the trucks are moving, or what, I don't know. But it seems that, sometimes, Sasquatch are struck down by logging trucks. Going on details on this topic, I've come across in, reported, uh, in reports over the years, what happens after accidents like these are that the driver involved is told not to speak of what happened to anyone who values his job. <laughs> and must eat the body immediately. <laughs> yes. Uh, the body of the Sasquatch is then moved somewhere else or even burnt on the spot to get rid of it. The powers that be in the United States government and these industries do not want a Sasquatch body to fall into the hands of someone who can use it to prove beyond doubt to the public at large that Sasquatch are real. So let's take for a moment to believe that, yes... Logging trucks are hitting Sasquatches all the time, and then the company is saying, "Oh yeah, you can't talk. You can't tell anyone about that." Mm-hmm. What logger in any of these scenarios wouldn't just immediately capitalize on? I have a Sasquatch. I killed a Sasquatch. I, like I have a would, body. It's like your ticket out of being a logger. Exactly. It's like, oh, if you tell anyone, we're gonna, you're gonna lose your job. It's like, if I tell anyone, I won't need this job. <laughs> I have proof of this thing. Plus, how do you like? How do you enforce that? How do you enforce that? They're, they're making it sound like, oh, it's a, it's a big industry. It is a big industry. It is not a corporate thing where all the employees are there where you can control no, them. No, yeah. It happens way out in the backwoods by design. That's where the trees are. Right. And so if a logger has something happen like that, no one will know unless they go out of their way to report it. And if they're told they can't, like, they have to cover stuff up, they wouldn't report it. Plus, I don't really think the logging industry is like some kind of super... You know, there's no one networked, like, exactly. you know, thing where there's some ping on the truck. Like they just hit a, like <laughs> a huge room with 3000 monitor screens and everyone's just like, <laughs> exactly. you know, oh, one of the trucks in a Sasquatch. Sure. It's like the, uh, the control room in the, uh, cabin in the woods. Was <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Given the financial stakes of the people in charge, they'll go to great lengths to make sure that Sasquatch remains unaccepted as a living species. They throw out misinformation. They try to suppress sightings and other information on the topic where and when they can. Employees are told not to talk, talk, not to talk about the subject or else lose their jobs. Most reports that point to a cover-up conspiracy on this matter are made many years after the encounter took place because the person making it waited until they retired before coming forward. This way, they don't run the risk of losing their job by doing so. Oh, I wish this guy would reference anything. <laughs> 
It's really strange in this case. He was like, look at this guy's case. Look at this guy's case. <laughs> yeah. uh, the length that those in charge will go to in order to keep Sasquatch relegated to the realm of folklore go well beyond threats of job loss or covering up a road accident, though. According to a couple of reports I've read over the years, there have been times when military units have been deployed with others to kill every Sasquatch they can find in a given area. Seems to me that the powers that be in the United States government and big business, and those two are inter- um, and those two are often intertwined, would rather see Sasquatch eradicated as a species than acknowledge it. They'd rather commit genocide than lose the money and power that having Sasquatch accepted as a real living species would ultimately cause. Mm-hmm. Which, again, that would be a tourist attraction if it could be actually proven to be yeah, real. Yeah, could monetize that hard. And national parks are owned by the federal government. Let's so if you want to make the argument, like, oh, no, they're going to just kill a whole species. There are plenty of other endangered species out there which... They could do the same thing. It's like, oh, there, there are none of these around, so you guess we don't have to protect them. Right. That's just not how it works. And again, it's any conspiracy revo- requires people to keep quiet about stuff. How many people would keep quiet? Like, oh, yeah, I was just killing a bunch of Sasquatches today. Right. Like, absolute madness. Uh, that angers me greatly. I want the conspiracy to end. I want Sasquatch publicly accepted as a real, living, endangered species. Yes, when this finally happens, it's going to cause a huge upheaval in a lot of ways and in a lot of areas. A lot will change. I think, though, that when things settle back down, the changes that will have been made will be for the better. I may be wrong. I try to be optimistic. Still, regardless of what ultimately happens, I want Sasquatch acknowledged as a real species. Whether they are non-human animals or some ancestor of ours, I don't know. Which either way is non-human animals. Uh, Personally, I think they're closer to apes than humans, which are also apes. Regardless, mm. though, I want them publicly accepted as he's a species. He's an expert. Yes, I'm sorry. He's an expert. Uh, I want them publicly accepted as a species. I've seen them. I've had encounters with them where I didn't see the creature, but I know it was there. <laughs> 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 I know for a fact these creatures are real. That's it's awesome. A way, That's... It's, a way past, um, it's way past time for them to be accepted as such by the scientific community, you know. the United States <laughs> government, the general public, and everyone else. It's past time for the conspiracy, lies, and cover-ups to end. Scott Harper beautiful that really captures perfectly the psychology of a person <laughs> who wants to believe a thing oh man and i hadn't reread this in a while so i'm so <laughs> by that. So, I'm so near the end of this whole thing too that's a good one i know they're real i've had encounters with them where i, mean, I didn't see them ever i've never seen one I but, never saw but them. i knew one but was there i encountered it, it was definitely there <laughs> you know in a way he did encounter it though because the power of the mind uh-huh and memory and bullshit <laughs> oh well i get you scott i know where you're coming from buddy but you are fully <laughs> cuckoo town there's yes. way worse things to be worried about that are real there's so many bad things you could if you want to be mad at the government there's a lot you there's can be plenty. mad about that for too there's so much and a lot of things yeah just more important and pressing than I think they know that Sasquatch is out there. They don't want us to know about it. For real. So much of conspiracy stuff, though, tends to be, oh, the government doesn't want us to know because they don't want us to know. So what happens if we know? Well, then they'll be mad because we know. Like, what? Why don't they want you to know? It's like, well, because we can't know. We can't know. It's, just like, it's this weird control thing, right? It's, oh, well, yeah, they're going like, to lose oh, money or business or what information whatever. we have. But it's like, yeah, but that doesn't really make a difference to them right it's like because there's plenty of stuff we know about that is actively wrong look at all of the uh camps down on the border there's plenty of terrible stuff we know yeah, is happening exactly. and they are and they're just like openly doing like right. yeah well 
Yeah, I was wondering so, when when was this written because this maybe was this was in the from, time before. This is f- before the camps. This was uh well actually no pre Nazi America. This was November twenty eighteen, November eighth, twenty eighteen. Jesus. Well then, wow. Well into <laughs> the current uh, hellscape. Hellscape. Um. Yeah, because I was gonna say. In the current administration, if Sasquatch is real, I'm sure they're like, wow, give a fuck. Blow those things to the next <laughs> dimension. Yes. There, uh, there is a quote. Actually, I was going to say this for, I'll save, it for, save this for one of the main episodes because I'm going to do a PSA as we get closer to September. And um, I had a specific quote. So I'll, maybe I can track down the original tweet it was in too mm-hmm. um, regarding the administration and like unknown cover up type stuff. So we'll get there, but yeah, nice. It's uh, wow. It's 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 funny actually. On a different podcast recently, I heard someone saying, you know, "Quick questions with Soren and Daniel, or Daniel and Soren, for the like, two former cracked writers who are really fun guys." And they one uh, of was asking, "He's like, hey, so do you believe in ghosts?" And he's like, "No, I don't." And, and they say, I, "I thought about it one time, wondering if I do." And I was like, "I don't." And then I wondered, hmm. do I care if other people do? And I realized the more I thought about it, it made me angry. <laughs> it made me uh-huh. angry when people believe in ghosts. Uh-huh. I'm saying the reason why he. He thought that was because ultimately he like I convinced myself that believing in ghosts is like a problematic thing, like, like it's a privileged thing, hmm. like where you have nothing to really be, a, you get the be luxury afraid of. to yeah, create something, something you can be afraid of that won't actually harm you, right? Like you don't have enough real dangers in your life. So it seems like most of the stories I've heard from people being haunted are white people, and the ghosts are always of white people. <laughs> Yes. And like, why are there no ghosts of like any of the people who lived here before? It's always, that, that was something actually I noticed when we were doing the most recent episode, we, the main episode we did was Africa. I was looking for right. like, oh, let's see if I can find some like ghost stories taking place in Africa. I was like, oh, hauntings in Cape Town, South Africa. I was like, oh, let's mm-hmm. see what's there. And it's all post-colonization. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? So being this upset about a Sasquatch thing seems like, I think this guy doesn't have a whole lot of bad things happening in his mm-hmm. life, which good for him. But um, it's like, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. Put that passionate energy towards helping people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anyway, this is, yeah, this is one that I, I found when it came out back in November. And I was like, I got to hold on to this. Mm-hmm. And now you've heard it. I'm glad you did. And I'm we're both glad that you guys have all supported us. Yeah, thank you so much for, for throwing your hard-earned dough our way, <sighs> keeping this podcast afloat. And I uh, hope to keep sending you new fun thing as time goes on yes indeed do spread the word um and we will be back with more minisodes soon enough Mm -hmm. and uh, until then love you love you guys steve harper is my pen name